Thank you for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is using Adventure Church to speak into your life. If you have a story you'd like to share, please do so at adventure.church slash mystory. Also, if you would like to support Adventure Church financially, you can do that online and help us bring messages just like this one to you each and every week. Now let's prepare to hear a word from God. So to kind of recap, Pastor Jake kicked off our series and did a great job explaining just kind of uh, the perspective we have to have when it comes to the Good Samaritan is realizing that we were the, we were the one in the pit. We were the one on the side of the road in the ditch that, that needed help. And Jesus came and helped us. And he crossed the gap, left heaven, came to earth, built a bridge for you and I to come to know God. And when we receive that love, it should compel us to give that love away. It's not just for us. It's for us to extend to those around us. Then last week, we actually looked at the Good Samaritan and some principles that we can learn from his actions and what he did and what it really takes to love people. And we talked about rejecting racism, that despite the the divide between Samaritans and Jews that was there, that he rejected that and still embraced someone who was very different from him with the purpose of extending grace and generosity and love to him. And he was willing to embrace inconvenience to do that. It's never going to be convenient to reach someone who's far from God. It's going to require something of you. It's going to require your time. It's going to require your finances to do that. And then he also followed through. He followed up. He didn't just leave them by himself. He came back. And we have to follow up because that's what Jesus did for us. He continually follows up with more grace and mercy every day for you and me. And we do the same for those people who are far from God so that they can come to know who he is. At Adventure Church, we believe your love for God is not... uh, best displayed and how, how, how much you pray and how great of a worshiper you are and how often you read your Bible. According to Jesus, your love for him is, is illustrated, demonstrated, and authenticated by your love for others, by your love for his kids. And, and that's the best way for us to show how much we love God is by loving his kids. And today is Palm Sunday, and uh, we were going to, you know, I was going to walk in the back with palm branches waving at everyone, and, you know, your kids, you know, send them home with that. Anybody else go to church like that when you grow, you know, you have some palms floating around. Palm Sunday just marks the, the Jesus' entrance into Jerusalem. They laid palms down as he rode a donkey uh, into his final week of his life that was leading to what we would now call Holy Week as we lead up to Easter and the death and resurrection of our Savior and how we find life through Him. And today I think it's, there's nothing more that, better that we could talk about uh, that describes Jesus' passion for His, that led Him to the cross than His purpose and His people and His love for you and me. Do any of you have a friend or uh, a family member or someone in your life that everybody just seems to like them, Right? Anybody, like, like everybody just likes this person. For me, it's very, I don't have to search far, it's my wife. Everyone likes my wife. And if you don't like her, then you can leave. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, um, but everyone loves my wife. They're like, I just like her to be around. And, and you know, she, she kind of brings life to the room. She's very optimistic. She's kind of a, she sees the glass half full kind of person, thankfully, because I'm kind of like the opposite of her naturally. And so she kind of, you know, people tolerate me because I'm married to her. You know what I mean? Like, that's just kind of the way it's been. She's very likable. And, and you probably have people in your life, like, everybody just kind of wants to be around this person. There's something about that person that you go, I like to be around them. And to me, that's one of the coolest things about Jesus, that though he was God, though he was God in the flesh, that he left paradise, heaven, came to a to, to sinful, filthy world that we live in, that, that he was very likable, 
that people liked him. In fact, people who weren't like Jesus liked Jesus. Let me say that again. People who weren't like Jesus didn't share the same values, the belief system that he came, that were totally opposite in the way that they were living their life and and the purpose they had, that they were greedy and moral. Those types of people liked being around Jesus. In Luke 15, verse 1, in the message translation, it says this, by this time in Jesus' ministry and his teaching, a lot of men and women of doubtful reputation were hanging around Jesus and listening intently to what he was saying. Think about that. That people who were nothing like Jesus voted for a different candidate, right? Post different things on their Facebook. When Jesus is at church, they're at the club, right? Nothing like Jesus. They like Jesus. In fact, they liked him so much that they didn't just tolerate him. They wanted to hear more. What has this guy got to say? That Jesus lived his life in a way that people who were nothing like him liked him, wanted to be around him. They didn't share his values. They didn't share his views, but they liked him. It's kind of crazy. And if we're going to be the same type of people, his representatives in this world, we need to do the same thing. We need to live our lives in a way where people who are nothing like us like us. That there's something different. That they may not believe the same way that we do, but because of the way we live our life, because of the love that we have for people and how it radiates from us and the light of Christ that is in us, because of that, that even though they they don't believe what we believe, they still want to be around us. That there's something about us that intrigues them. And today I want to ask you that question Are you likable? Are you likable? Are you a likable Christian? where people like you that are nothing like you, that despite you're on opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to your values, what you would embrace is the right things in this world, that there's still something about you that they like. I think if we're not careful, as we develop in our relationship with God, as we continue to grow as Christians, as some of you have been walking with God for for many years, some of you not so long, but as you continue to develop your relationship with God, that we don't find ourselves isolating ourselves from the world around us, that we just want to stay with with other people who are like us. I think it's easy to become a closed Christian, is what I would call it, closed off, that you shut out everyone else, that you're closed, that you're judgmental in the way you view the world, and it's keep the world away from me. Keep those people who who embrace that type of value, and those, keep them as far away from me as we possibly can. We talked about this in our We the People series, but as Christians, we can never make a point at the expense of making a difference. We don't state our beliefs and state our values and burn bridges with people. That God has called you and me to be bridge builders, that we build bridges to people because that's what he did through Jesus for you. He built a bridge so that you could have a relationship with him. And if we're not careful, we get really good at making a point, but we never make a difference. We're closed off to those things. And we have to continually look inward and say, do my actions move me into isolation from people who are not like me? Or do they invite people into conversations? Because those people who were around Jesus who were nothing like them said he, they were attracted to him 
and they wanted to hear more about what he had to say. When it comes to you and your beliefs, is that how you are? Are you likable? You see, there was something about Jesus that, that made people want to know more. There's something about him. He's different. I want to know more. And I think we need to be able to say the same things for ourselves. So are you a closed Christian? Then you could fall into this category, a closet Christian. Nobody knows. Oh, yeah. You know, I don't share those posts, Kyle. You know, today I asked you to show. Ooh, I don't want to check in here. <laughs> yeah, no, easy. You know, I'm just not quite there yet. I haven't gone public. That's what baptism's for, really. That's why we baptize people. You kind of come out, say, this is who I am. This is what I'm about. This is my life. That's why baptism's so significant. There's no hiding anymore. You know, and, and too often either we're closed off or we're just in a closet and we hide out and no one knows that we even believe. And so when it comes to our values and the things that are really important to us, when, when there's controversy or there's conflict, we just bow out. Instead of standing up for what we believe, we just kind of blend in and go with the flow. And we can't live that way either. So Jesus had a way because Jesus would, would tell you exactly how it is. The kingdom of God is like this. My followers must do this. He raised the bar. He raised the standard. And yet people still wanted to hear what he had to say. He was truth and love. He gave truth of who he was. But it was covered in love and grace and mercy. And we have to do the same things when it comes to loving our neighbor. Our goal should be to live our lives in a way that people who are not like us still like us. That there is something about us that despite our differences, they see Christ in us. They see something in us that makes us different than everyone else. So people who were not like Jesus, like Jesus. And Jesus liked people who weren't like him. He liked hanging around people who were nothing like him. In 15.2 it says the Pharisees, the religious people, the scholars, they weren't pleased with Jesus. Not pleased at all. They growled. He takes in sinners. He eats meals with them. Treating them like old friends. And their grumbling triggered this story we're going to get to in a second. But the only people that Jesus didn't like were religious people who made it all about themselves. Those are the only people that Jesus didn't like. Those are the only people that he rejected, that he judged. And he begins to tell these stories about what his purpose is all about. You see, they couldn't stand that Jesus hung around these people. In fact, that's why they, they killed him. That's why they nailed him to a cross. And so what was so different between Jesus and these other religious people? If anyone should have liked Jesus, it should have been the people who were waiting for the Messiah. The problem is, is that Jesus came and he viewed things totally different than them. He changed their, their paradigm, how they viewed life. It was, it was a huge shift for them. And he viewed people different than they viewed them. And Jesus still views people the same way today. See, in Mark chapter 2, verse 17, when the Pharisees were upset with Jesus because he invited Matthew, the tax collector, a notorious sinner in town, to be one of his disciples, his closest companions. He's eating dinner with them. Here, here was his response. When Jesus heard this, them complaining, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call those who, who, don't, who think they are righteous, talking to the religious people. You see, you think you know it. You think you're righteous. I haven't come for you. I came for those who know they are sinners. Then he's hanging around Zacchaeus. Anybody remember Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Wee little man was he, right? You remember that? 
The wee little man climbed up in a tree to get a look at Jesus. Another tax collector was wronging people, stealing their money. And here Jesus stops in the midst of this huge crowd. Says, hey, Zacchaeus, hey man, I see you up there. You want to hang out? Can I come over? You got dinner? I'll come if you got dinner. He's like, yeah, man, I'll make you dinner. Let's go. Jesus goes and hangs out with them. His whole family turns to Christ. He repays those who he had cheated. Dramatic conversion, awesome story. And so when they were complaining about him hanging out with Zacchaeus, Luke 19.10, he says, listen, the, the son of man came. The whole reason I came was to save those who were lost. So the reason Jesus was attracted to people who were far from God is because they were far from God. The reason Jesus liked people who were nothing like him is because he came for them. It was the whole purpose of his life. It was the whole reason he came. So to prove his point, Jesus then tells these religious people a few stories. In Luke 15, 3 through 7, he says this, If a man has a hundred sheep, And one of them gets lost. What will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness to go search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. Sheep are very valuable. His listeners are getting this. They're like, yeah, we understand that. It's valuable to the flock. You don't just let one wander off. You go and get it. Then he brings it back. He says, so in the same way, there's more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Think about that for a second. More joy in heaven over just one person who is away from God who comes home. He goes on. He says, hey, sheep aren't a big deal to you. What about money? Verse 8, he says, or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins. One coin was about a day's wages. Won't she light a lamp, sweep the entire house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call in her neighbors and friends and say, rejoice with me because I found my lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. Jesus is getting it back down to the focus. That he's all about the one who's lost, the one who needs to be found. Have you ever lost something of great value? Like, ladies, you misplaced your purse, you know where it was, you left it somewhere, you don't know where it was at, can't find it out, fellas, like, you can't find your wallet, you know, or probably the thing that's most valuable to all of you, your phone. Like, you leave, you're like, where's my phone? What do I do with my phone? Hey, can you call my phone? Can you call it? And you're listening for it, you're walking around your office, you're I can't find, oh man, I think it's on vibrate, I'm never going to find my phone. Right? Or your purse, right? Like, like for me, it's like a wallet. Like if I lose my wallet and I don't know where it's at, like I can be in the middle of a meeting and I'm, all I'm thinking about is my wallet. Oh man, where's my wallet at? Oh man, some, some guy in Russia probably has it. He's charging my card right now. Or, you know, oh, I didn't get that. I should have got that protection plan, man. What was I thinking? Right? And we lose something of value. We, we search for it. Right? You lose your wallet in your house. You're tearing up your house. It's like a tornado went through your house. When you're looking for something that's of great value, you go to great lengths to find it, right? That's what Jesus is describing here. Hey, you lose something of that value, you're going to do whatever you got to do to go and find it. And, and, and when you lose something of value, you focus on what's lost, not what is unlost. Hey, like right now you have no emotion 
about your wallet or your purse and all that because you have it. But if you were to lose it, all of a sudden, I got to find it. And you're going to go to great lengths to find what is valuable. We begin to focus on what's lost, not the unlost. We don't care about what we have at that moment. We care about what needs to be found. And you go, okay, well, we get it, Jesus, of course. If, if we lose something of value, we would, we would look for what is lost. We'd go and, and, and search for it. We'd, we'd find it. And then Jesus takes it from material possessions and he brings it home to, to his point, to his purpose, to his passion, to people. Then he goes into a story in Luke 15 that you would know as the prodigal son or the lost son. For those of you who maybe who haven't heard this before, there's a man who has two sons and the youngest son wants his share of the father's inheritance before his father passes away. That in of itself was a huge insult to the father. He's basically saying, I wish you were dead. I have no relationship with you to the point that I just want your money, I just want what you can give me, and I don't want relationship. He knew by asking for his inheritance that he was simply saying, I'm done with you, give me what's mine, and I'm out. So his father, to the surprise of Jesus' listeners at this time, grants him his request. He says, all right, if that's what you want, that's what you can have. Here you go. And he takes it. The story goes on. He leaves home. And he wastes all of his inheritance, blows it on wild parties, getting drunk, getting high, going to the clubs, going to the bars, women, whatever you want to say. The Bible says he wasted it on wild living, squanders all of it away to the point where he hits rock bottom and he's working for someone, taking care of pigs, which in Jewish culture was an absolute no-no. Jesus is is going for the, the dramatic effect here. Doesn't just do any job. You ever see the show Dirty Jobs before, right? The guy does some nasty stuff. This was it. This was Dirty Jobs. Here's this guy doing the worst of the worst in their culture. Feeding pigs, laying with pigs. So hungry that he's eating the pig's food because he has nothing to eat. And at that point he comes to his senses. The realization hits him. He begins to miss home. And he begins to wonder if home is missing him. He goes, if I, if I went back home, I could just be my dad's servant. My, my dad's servants eat better than this. I don't need to be a son anymore. Maybe he'll just let me be a servant. And he gets up the courage to go home. And he begins walking home. And if I'm him, I'm, I'm rehearsing my speech over and over again, right? You ever come home late from curfew, snuck out, and you walk back up to your house and the light's on? You're like, uh-oh, right? You're like, all right, what am I going to say? I get it, pull it together here. I got a good reason for this, right? So he's thinking in those terms. What am I going to say to my dad? That's going to help me. He's going to forgive me. So he's rehearsing his speech. And Jesus goes on and tells the story that while he's far away, and we pick up the story in verse 20. It says, so he, he returns to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with judgment, he took off his belt and ran to beat his son. Oh, that was what I would have done. Sorry. Uh, that's not what he did. No. It says, while he was far away, filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son. He embraced him. He kissed him. And Jesus' audience again is like, no way. You just said he was laying with pigs. His father is disgracing himself by embracing this man. Kissing the same mouth that was eating pig. What is he doing? 
says, no, he was filled with compassion, embraced him. And his son is embraced and he just says, Father, I've sinned against you and against heaven. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. And his dad says, nah, you're still my son. Hey, servants, clean this guy up. Go kill the big calf. We're having a party tonight. Because my son, who was lost, has been found. He came home. He was dead. Now he's alive. And he rejoiced. And Jesus shocks his audience. And they're just going, there's no way. And if, if we viewed people, if Jesus viewed people the way his audience viewed people, that's what Jesus would have said too, no way. But you see, Jesus doesn't view you and me like we view each other. In God's eyes, there's just two types of people. Those who are lost, those who have been found. Those who are connected to him in relationship, and those who aren't. You see, the father in this story wanted relationship more than anything else. He wanted relationship more than being right. He wanted relationship more than saying, I told you so. He wanted relationship. And so when he saw his son and saw that the opportunity for relationship was there again, he ran to his son and embraced him. Despite his mess, despite his sin, despite what he had done, he embraced him. Because he didn't view people the way that we view them. And if we really want to love our neighbor, if we really want to love our coworker, if we really want to love our friend at school, we have to view people the same way that Jesus does. Not those who are Republicans and those who are Democrats, those who embrace my values and those who don't, those who believe what I believe and those who don't. No. Those who know Jesus, those who don't. And Jesus said, this is the whole reason I came. This is it. Palm Sunday, Holy Week, Easter, where we'll gather together. Churches all over the world will gather and celebrate what Jesus did. And if we're not careful, we can lose sight of what we're celebrating. We can think it's all about us. And I love Easter. The church goes all out, man. They do creative music and messages and videos. It's awesome. And I get the brunch right away, and it's great. My kids get candy. They're happy. Easter's awesome. But can I just be honest with you today? If you know Jesus, we don't do Easter for you. The egg hunt, not for you. It's for people who don't know God. Our service next week will be geared towards people who don't know God. And we're going to tell them that there is a heavenly father who despite what they've done, invites them into relationship. And if they'll just take one step of faith towards God, he'll run and meet them where they're at. And he'll embrace them. And he'll love them. And he'll welcome them home into their family. You see, that's what it's all about. But the problem is, the longer we walk with Jesus, the, more, the longer we've known him, it becomes about us. And the gravitational pull for believers is always to the 99. And church just becomes a celebration of saints who for an hour and 15 minutes can shut out the world and not have to deal with the mess and the politics and the crime and here we can get in our holy huddle and just love God and be good. And thankfully at this church we don't have that culture because we've been 
determined since day one to say that's never going to be what we're about. Our vision is helping people discover new life in Christ because that was the vision that Jesus had. See, the problem is, is that we'll always be pulled towards that. So we got to always pull ourselves back. And that's why one of our core values here is that we believe everyone can reach someone. Everyone can reach someone. That there is one person in your world that God has given you relationship with who's far from him. That you don't view him as a friend and not a friend, a conservative or a liberal or a bad person or a good person, nice or mean, that you begin to view them how Jesus does. And all he sees, all God sees is a soul. He doesn't see race. He doesn't see anything other than a soul. And he sees a soul that's either in relationship with him or not. And God is always more concerned about the one who is lost than those who are found. Always. You go, well, that doesn't seem right. Here I am, loving God, serving Him, working in kid venture, doing all those things. You tell me I need to do, Pastor, to love God and serve Him, and I'm giving, I'm doing all these things. You're trying to tell me that God isn't concerned about me? No. He still loves you. He loves you very much. But let me give it to you this way. I have a son who's four, a daughter who's six. If I took them into a store... And I lose sight of my kid. You ever lose sight of your kid for a minute? It's like panic. You're like, <gasps> where are they, right? And let's just say it's Riley because Maddox would never stray too far away. That kid is very cautious. But Maddox is on my hip, holding my hand. Riley is, is lost. I can't find her. Where does my concern go? To Riley. Maddox is right here. I love this boy just as much as I love her. But my emotion isn't wrapped up in him because he's found. He's with me. I'm not concerned about him. Riley is missing. She's lost. I need to find her. In the prodigal son story, there's two sons. The other son, when his dad throws the party, gets all upset. Here I've been serving you. Day one, I didn't waste your money. I loved you, and I do this, and, and you throw a party for him and not for me? And he goes, son... Son, of course I love you. Everything I have is yours. You know that. But your brother, he was lost and he's been found. He was dead and now he's alive. So God is concerned about you. He loves you, but you've been found. His emphasis is on those who are lost. That's his heart. It's why Jesus came. And if we're not careful, we just drift to the 99. And we just hang with the righteous. And we have no concern over who's lost. And God's heart is breaking for his kid who's far from home. And he's going, who's saving him? Who's helping me find him? The band's coming, we're closing out. This is why he commands us to love our neighbors. That's why he commands us to live a life that's sacrificial, the way he lived it for us. In Luke 15, 7... If we go back, he tells the story. They lost the sheep, they rejoice. Lost the coin, they rejoice. And the prodigal son, the father rejoices, he throws a party. In Luke 15, 7, he says, you can count on it. There's more joy in heaven over one sinner's rescued life than over the 99 good people in no need of rescue. 
Does God love your worship? Of course he does. Does he love listening to you and relating with you? Of course he does. He loves you. He desires to know you. He, he desires to, to have that relationship with you. But his concern isn't for you because you've been saved. You've been found. You're home. You're safe with the Father. But there's millions of people in this world who are wandering, lost, afraid, confused, looking for someone to point them in the right direction. That's what he's concerned about. Do you know why we celebrate and clap every time someone gives their life to Christ here at Adventure Church? Because heaven is. We're just following suit. You know what excites Jesus more than anything in this whole world? When one person who is lost is found. When one person who was away from God comes home. He, all he sees is a soul. And he either sees a soul that's in relationship with him or that's not. That's what excites heaven. It's got to be what excites us. When I was like 13... I got a Dyno VFR chrome double brake with rear pegs bike for Christmas. If you don't know what that is, man, as a 13-year-old, I mean, it was the Red Rider BB gun. You know what I mean? I mean, it was it. I was so pumped about my bike. I got it at Christmas. I couldn't ride it until it got warmer. Finally gets warmer out. I started riding my bike around, you know. You're 13. You got a Dyno VFR Rear pegs, double brakes, and chrome, man. It's, the ladies are like, what's up? <laughs> yeah. If you're good, I'll let you get on my pegs later. You can ride on the back. <laughs> take you around the neighborhood. That was it, right? So I get my bike, riding it, barely have it. And I got baseball practice. My friend's dad is picking us up, and I drive my bike, and I was late, and I had to change real quick, so I just put my bike up by the porch of my house next to a bush, and so... I get changed, and I come out, and he's, he's honking the horn. He's like, Kyle, we got to go. We got to go. And I'm like, hey, let me put my bike in the garage real quick. He's like, no, we don't have time. Just leave it there. You'll be fine. So I go home. I go to practice. My mom picks me up. We come home. And it was one of those things I was kind of, like, worried about. Like, hey, is my Dyno VFR chrome double brake rear peg bike? Is it, is it red? You know, make sure nobody mess with it, right? So we pull up to the house, and it's gone. And I'm like, hey, mom, you put my bike in the garage for me? She was like, no. I didn't. Opens the garage. Bike's not there. Stolen. Stolen. It's gone. So we file a police report, and they come, and they tell us, like, you know, hey, sometimes, like, you know, people just kind of take them for joy rides, and they'll dump them behind the school or whatever, you know. So that night, we kind of looked a little bit, but I was concerned. I wanted to look. So the next day and the day after, in a few days, I hopped on my sister's pink and purple mountain bike, back down to that status, riding through the neighborhood. None of the girls are waving at me anymore. And I'm looking for my bike. I'm going behind the school, I'm walking through the woods, I'm looking by, I'm looking everywhere I can for my bike. I went, this went on for a few days, finally I gave up. But you know what? No one else was looking for my bike with me. I'm like, come on, man, help me find my bike. They're like, I'm good, man. I'm good. Have you ever had that happen to you? Where something that was of great value to you and nobody was looking for it? That we get so busy about our day, so busy about our lives and our agenda and everything we got to get done, everything we got to do, 
that here God is in heaven and we're surrounded by kids of his who are lost and no one's looking no one's concerned and God is going what happened where's the disconnect people it's not about you you're in with the 99 you're in you're in we're good me and you are good but there's still ones out there who, who aren't. What are you doing for them? That's what he asked us. Are you concerned what I'm concerned about? Are you concerned with what I'm concerned about? Jude 1, 22 through 23 says this, and you must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. Rescue, rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. You see, we either believe this or we don't. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. No one comes home except through what Jesus did for them. And if people die without receiving that knowledge of Jesus, the wrath of God who was poured out on Jesus is then poured out on them. And they're separated from God forever. Eternal judgment. Hell is a real thing. And people are going there. And Jude is saying, people who have been found, found people, they find people. They see people who are on a path to destruction, they snatch them. Hey, 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 get over here. It says they snatch them from the flames of judgment. You're heading somewhere that's going to destroy you. Get out of there. Come with me. Come, come home. God's waiting. He loves you. Don't go that way anymore. Someone's staring down a bus coming at them. You're going to be yelling, get out of the way. You're in danger. Move, right? But every day, there's people who are heading for destruction, for a dead end. Blindly, unknowingly, some of them. And someone needs to find them. Someone needs to save them. This has to be the core of our church. This has to be the heart of Adventure Church, it has to become the heart of you and me, where we realize that Jesus was sent for us, and once you come in, his concern isn't on you anymore. Of course he loves you, you're his kid, of course he's going to take care of you, of course he's going to hear your prayers, of course he's going to stay in relationship, but the focus isn't on you, because you're here, you're with him, and his other kids are lost, and he's frantically looking for his kids to come home. And if they just take one step towards him, it says, he runs. He embraces them. You see, he did that for you. He did it for me. And the heartbeat of God is for those others who have yet to be found. And at Adventure Church, it's got to be what we're about. It's one of my greatest fears as our church continues to grow and that we would lose that. Church planning, you've got to have that heart. You have to. You have to have a heart for people to reach people because you don't have people. <laughs> and as you get people and you begin to grow, it's easy to go, let's just focus on us. Listen, the egg hunt, not for you. That's why you should serve at it. What about my kids? Look, you only got to serve one, one, one hour of it. Your kids will still get through the egg hunt. But it's not about you. It's not about your kids. Some of you are here today because you came to an egg hunt. Some of you are here today because someone invited you to something. 
It's not about you. That's why we serve. It's why we give. That's why we do all that we do is because Jesus isn't concerned about us. He's concerned about his kid who isn't home yet. Would you stand with me today? Our prayer partners are going to go to the back. just want to encourage you, if you need prayer for anything at all, anything you're going through, go pray with them. They came early. They prayed. They're ready for you. Take advantage of that. There's power in that. And for the rest of us, today we're going to sing a couple songs together. But I want to take the focus off of you. Just for these last two songs, can we take the focus off of us for a minute? It's not about me. It's not about you. And go, Jesus, my life, the way that you want me to live, our follow series, our love thy neighbor series, they go hand in hand. God, all you're asking of me is that I live a life surrendered to you. That I live palms up saying, God, use my life for how you want to use it. It's the purpose. It is your purpose. Don't miss that. The reason you are still here, if you found Jesus and you're still here, you've been saved, the only reason you're still here is to find other people. It's it. It's why he came and he's sending you. So as we think about what Jesus has done for us, remember, put yourself back in that place. When you came for the first time, not knowing what you would expect and a church embraced you and loved you and welcomed you in despite your sin, despite your issues. That a group of people put on display the love of Jesus like you'd never seen before. And an invitation was extended to you from your heavenly father and he said, come home. I'm not mad at you. I'm not upset with you. I love you. You are my kid. You were lost. Now you're found. I rejoice with you. I rejoice with heaven. That that's what he longs to do. Remember that that was you. You were on the side of the road. You were in the pit. And someone extended their hand. Someone invited you. Someone welcomed you in. And your heavenly father is going, you're with me now. It's great. I'm glad you're here. But don't forget about the ones you've left behind. You have friends. You have family members who are waiting for someone to love them. Despite differences, people like Jesus who are nothing like him. Do they like you? Do you live your life in a way that you're open, that you're non-judgmental, that you're intentional with how you live? God's heart breaks. Think about yourself, a kid you know. Just think about it for a second. If my kid was lost, and I told you this morning we can't find him, I bet you I could get everyone in this church to help me look for my kid. I could say, Riley is missing. I can't preach. Let's go look for her. Will you help me? You'd all be like, yeah, of course. We'll help you. Where do, we, where, where do we need to start? And God is saying, my kids are missing. What do you look for? God, we love you. We're so thankful that we were lost and that we were found. God, that despite our mess, despite our sin, despite our issues, our mistakes, that you embraced us that you welcomed us into your home, into your kingdom. God, we're thankful for that grace today. And as we receive that love and that acceptance, God, let it compel us to extend it to those around us who are far from you. God, as we sing these songs, I pray today that you would impress on everyone's heart at least one. Everyone can reach someone. Who is the one family? Who is the one couple? Who is the one person? that you're putting on their heart, who's lost, that your heart is breaking for them and you're sending them on a search and rescue mission 
to find them, to save them. God put it on our hearts so heavy that we wouldn't be able to do anything else until we extend an invitation, until we make contact, until we find them. God, we pray that this Easter would be an Easter, not where a bunch of Christians gather to celebrate. Lord, we will do that, but God, we pray that it would be an Easter where many who are lost will be found and many who were dead will discover new life through your son. We love you, God. We give our lives to you. Use us to make a difference in your kingdom.